Back in the day, the phrase I'm about to use usually meant you were going to have a confrontation with someone. And it was this. I'm going to leave a mark on you that what won't take off. Anybody know? Ajax won't take off. Anybody ever use that? Let me see if you got that. You know what, Ajax, you don't have that. that you know, oh, we all know, Comet, whatever. But it was just a phrase. Maybe it was just southern Arkansas. I don't know. Maybe it was enough conflict going, I am going to leave a mark on you that Ajax will not take off. Impact. Leaving an impression. Chasing daylight. I've done a lot of funerals over the years. And, of course, you can go ahead and take that down now. Have nothing. His name's Ajax, and there are people named that, I guess. But I've done a lot of funerals over the years, and, it, and it's amazing to me as I began to work on the, the, uh, the tribute to these folks, uh, some pretty awesome people. I've done my parents' uh, memorials along with other ones. And you, you do these memorials, and, man, you begin to work through, and you're trying to do the best you can to present their life in this short window, the best you can, and, 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 but you've also, in the middle of that, you begin to think about your own life. Begin to process going, well, wait a second. Okay, well, how will I be remembered? What would they put in my memorial message? And it is kind of sobering when you begin to think, hey, maybe I'm, I'll live 80 to 90 years. And they'll put together a seven-minute tribute video, 15 minutes of eulogy, maybe another few remarks from testimonies. 30 minutes combined. My life's wrapped up into that. That was it. Then you're going to go to the fellowship hall and eat bad subs from Costco and potato salad and go on about your business. <laughs> and you go, that's it? That's all I got? <laughs> My whole 80 to 90 years was of maybe 30 minutes of some highlights somewhere along the way and bad subs from Costco? There's got to be a better solution to this. Do I have any say-so in that? How will I be remembered? And as you get older, it becomes very sobering of a couple of things. One is life is a lot shorter than you thought. It got here quicker than you thought. And the certainty of death seems to increase in your mind. What impact or mark will I leave? Because the question is not, will I leave a mark? The question is, what kind of mark will I leave? What's going to live on after I die? Will your legacy be a curse? By our actions or inactions? What if God's plans for you is to break a cycle in your family? A cycle of abuse or addiction? A life fully devoted to God? It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to be famous. That's for sure. Because I don't know really any many famous people, but man, I've had some Marks left on my life, some awesome stamps left on my life, and none of those people are really famous. So what if God's plan for you is to be the best husband or wife, child, father, mother, 
elementary school tutor. <laughs> I mean, you could just pick it. What, 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 if, what if my mark was to leave those impressions on people? It wasn't that I was ever going to be famous for anything, but what I leave, it's going to live on past me. What I'm doing right now actually makes a difference down there. Chasing daylight. There's an urgency to this series. And as I said, as you get older like I am, it gets more urgent. Time's burning. So I'm going to read a passage of Scripture for you today that I've, I've preached on before, and I love the imagery. The reason why I want to use it in this particular message today as we continue a few more weeks in our series of, of, of Chasing Daylight. But it's a, it's, a, it's a passage of Scripture that we, I was in youth ministry a long, long time. And it's a passage of Scripture that was actually our Scripture verse in the Nazarene Church and all that over the years. But it's 1 Timothy 4, if you want to turn there, it should be on the screen otherwise. 1 Timothy 4, 12 through 15. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But I'm going to say this right here. This is for the young, and I'm going to say this. This should be, that means if you're older than that, it sure better mean it for you. So, so don't read this like, oh, I'm out. Peace. No. It means your, hand, your standard's probably even higher. So just make sure you read it that way. But don't look any, let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy and when the body of elders laid their hands on you. I'm so glad the church in Avenue still believes in laying on of hands. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that, so that, so that, so that. I've said all this, so that. I've said all this right here, so that. Everyone may see your progress. So the image I want to give you here in the visual, and I'm a very visual person, but it basically is saying, first the word set, set an example. In other words, he's saying become you, you have become and you're becoming. We talk about it here all the time. You are transformed and you're being transformed. You have, you have made that decision to follow after God holy, but you're not stopping. You're going to keep growing in it. To set, to set, become, set an example. And we use the word examples also. You would find in 1 Thessalonians 1 that we use for our mission statement here at Renovation. But it talks about you became a model to all the churches in Macedonia and Achaia. But the word model there literally means example, exactly what we're talking about. You became this example. You became this influencer. What I love about this word example, the literal translation is, and hold your ears if you're sensitive, is this. It means to leave a mark. It means a repetition of stamp, stamp, stamp. It's not a one-day example of courage, not a one-day example of integrity. It's not a one-day example of following after God. It is a repeated lifetime. An example. There's a lot in that word, isn't there? It literally means striking a blow repeatedly. Boom. 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 
How do you do that? I got to get all the sawdust off my paper here so I can read. <laughs> Let me see if I can give you a few things that might be of help to you today as we head towards baptism this morning and people making decisions to leave a mark. And one of those huge steps in that is to go public. Go public. The first one is, I think, it's clear that what matters in their life. I don't think there's anything more inspiring than finding someone who has this unbelievable clarity of where they're headed. And it's for the love of God and the good of others. There's some about a fragrance and aroma and a drawing of their life. And it doesn't mean they're the loudest. It sure doesn't mean they're the ones out front. Doesn't mean the most educated or anything else. But man, they have got a clarity of where they're headed. But Jesus says it this way, Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, yeah, that's where your heart will also be. Or be also. I don't speak that way, but be also. <laughs> if we believe Jesus, then the question becomes, how are we investing, protecting the things that are eternal. It's literally what he says, you know, the, the moth and the, I mean, the, 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 these things will rust away, the moths will come and eat them, but these things that are eternal, these things that I've put away for there, these things that will live on after me. I think it's so critical, and I say this in Uncommon, we teach it there, man, you need to figure out what your values are. You need to figure out what your family values. You need to figure out what your marriage values, whatever that is. You need your your own individual if you're single. You need to figure out what your values are because they give you direction. But I believe this in most families and churches and organizations and businesses. What the most conflict and tension comes from the lack of knowing and misunderstanding or disagreeing on what they are to be and where they are to head. You haven't agreed on where you're headed. You haven't agreed on who you're supposed to be. And you can doesn't take much, and you've heard me say this, many of you have heard me say this so many times, but you may not always live out what you profess, but you will always live out what you value. Words are words. But how you live, I can tell what's going on. Your tongue may speak too fast, may, but Ben, I can watch your life. I can do that. And that tells me real quick what you really value. That's why we work so hard through Uncommon and the training we do is so you can know who you are, why you are who you are. Not just who you are, not the end result of who you are, but why did you end up being who you are? And the biggest thing, we, well not the biggest, the, 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 the culmination of that is now where are you headed? Well, you've done all this, now let's figure this out, now where do you want to go? Or the other option is just live this life and hope for the best. My meandering through this life, not really having any direction, and I hope I end up at the best place. And you might. Seems like a big gamble to me, but you might. 
But Paul, when he's writing to Timothy, and you can put that, that, that uh, first Timothy back up again if you can grab it. I don't have it highlighted, but if you would. But he goes on to say, he says, until I come devote yourself. Literally what that means is, again, I want to give you imagery. He said, he said don't, excuse me, back up. Uh, devote yourself. That means to give yourself wholly to it, okay? But he says, don't neglect. And he, he said, don't live like you don't know the truth. Don't live like you don't know the information I gave you. Don't live like you don't, you don't, what I am exposing you to, and we talked about it in Uncommon today, all the things you've worked on so long over these weeks you're now responsible for. Don't live like you didn't see it. Don't live like you don't hear my voice. Don't live like you don't see this disruption I'm causing, this disturbance I'm causing in your life, and try to push it off to something. Don't live like that. Don't neglect. Now, what he's going on to say here specifically is don't neglect, neglect the gift of preaching and teaching. He gets very specific. But he goes on to say, it said devote. In other words, give your full attention. And literally what it means here is to set a course and keep to it. And the other imagery as I'm studying this, this is, I love this imagery, is it's when he says devote, it said devote yourself. It literally means keep stirring the flame. When it starts to go out, stir it, put some more fuel on it, stir those embers, don't let it go out, devote yourself. I love this imagery. And he said, then give yourself wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And it literally means like a sponge being put into water, soak it up. Of course, somebody tries to wring you out, they get wet of what you got in you. To holy, we see that. And, and we talked about the last few weeks, Jonathan's armor bearer, right? He said, with my, all my heart and soul, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I got it all. Jonathan, I mean, excuse me, Joshua and Caleb wholeheartedly followed after God. Wholeheartedly. I, I love what, uh, and it's kind of just dropped into this Second Chronicles 16 with a lot of bad things going on. But Second Chronicles 619 says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking for you. He's going to strengthen you. Said his eyes are roaming throughout the earth, looking for those who will fully commit to him because it's hard. It's all hard, right? But the second thing is, I would say, to live a life of great impact is to to run the right direction. We're all running. You go, well, you had not seen me lately. Oh, you're running one way or another, spiritually. You see me, Kurt? No, I'm telling you, you're running. 2 Timothy 2, 22, says to pursue righteousness. Chase after it. Run after it. Run after God. Problem is, so many of us are running from God. We're running in the wrong direction. I love that song, Build an Altar, that you heard. Josiah, I don't know if he did it. I don't think he did it this morning, but he's, the last few weeks when we sang that song, the whole picture of that whole song, and most of you will probably picked up on but maybe not everybody in here so I want to make sure they build an altar it's out of first kings and it's Elijah ultimately the story we're going to pick up here is Elijah running from Jezebel but he had just 
with the 450 prophets of Baal, they had built their altar, he had built his altar, or his altar, but God's altar, and he set this altar on fire, but before he did, they soaked it in water, literally it was running off of it. He soaks this altar on fire, I mean, soaks this altar with water, it's so wet, and he stands back, and God sets it on fire. They had been calling down to set it on fire, couldn't happen, couldn't happen. God has his the wettest it could be, and he sets it on fire. At the apex of his ministry, at the thing you'd go, man, I'm, I'm going to go on TV shows, I'm going to do all these things, so look what we're doing, we're rocking with this. What does he do? He runs. Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. If I find you, I'm going to kill you. And he runs and he goes, and it sounds a whole lot like Jonathan and his armor bearer, and Saul's army. Where do they go? Why do we, where does a lot of us go when we're running from God? We go hide in a cave. Verse 19, verse 9, 1 Kings 19 says, There he went, and Elijah went into a cave and spent the night. The Lord appears to Elijah, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing in here, Elijah? Elijah does what we most do, right? We make an excuse why we're hiding. I'm, I've been, and, and these are people, this is a guy who just did a miracle beyond anything we could ever imagine. And Dr. Dan has a theory on it, and say a theory, I, I think is, is right on it, but a lot of other things that go on with Elijah at this point, but here's one thing we know. He said, I've been very zealous of the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death in the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain. In the presence of the Lord, where you're exposed Because I'm on the mountain, I'm not in the cave. And most of you know this passage of scripture. He said, the great, the great, then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and sh- tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his head and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave because he's still hiding, right? Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said the same thing he had already told him and just repeated it again. Of course, the thing that Josiah, I mean, Josiah, Josiah, Elijah, first off, he was wrong. He wasn't the only one left. There's 7,000 more. He's wrong. Not only is his excuse bad, but he's wrong in what he's thinking. Then the Lord said to him in verse 15, go back the way you came. I don't want you to skip over that either. Elijah had hit the wall. Overwhelmed, exhausted, as I'm sure Dr. Dan could give us all kinds of reasons for that. But God comes to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, whenever we run from the challenge that God has set before us, I think he keeps asking us that question. 
what are you doing here? Why have you accepted a life of mediocrity, Elijah? Kurt, fill in the blank. What are you doing here? Why have you accepted a life that is more about comfort than it is impact? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? I need you in the game. What are you, what are you doing here? Some, for some of you, your first thing you need to do to be in great impact is stop running. It's just stop running. And I love what McManus says. When we run from, the, from his purposes, we run from his presence. I've heard people, I've never really felt the presence of God. Are you running the same direction he's going? Or does it have to be on your terms? If it fits into my box, then I'm with you, God. But if it's anything outside of that box, I'm not. And you're wondering why you don't sense the presence of God? Because you're going the wrong direction. Oh, you need to be running. They're running and chasing after righteousness. We've made some things idols. And we talked about it last week. Everything has to be put in the middle of the table to walk this out fully. All keys in the middle of the table. Everything. And it stinks. You know what was tough? What I love about this, though, he goes, Elijah, guess what? You don't get to just move forward with your life. You got to go back where you came from and complete what I put on your life. Oh, you ain't getting to sweep that under the rug, Bubba. You ain't getting to let that go, Bubba. No, 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 you got to go back. You got to make this right. Oh, yeah, I know they're telling they're going to kill you, and they might. But you got to go back and make it right. The very thing you ran from, you don't just get to run forward. You got to go deal with that. Stop running. Stop hiding from God and listen to his voice. Come out of the cave and stand on the mountain. God's not in the cave. A life of great impact will not come easy. Oh, I love this saying, don't you? When God closes a door, he opens a window. Oh, it's so beautiful. Put it on a bumper sticker, right? And sometimes he might. You know, sometimes God works in spite of us. Have anybody ever know that? Oh, I'll just wait around for the window to open because God closed that door. What if God's behind the wall? What if you're going to have to fight for this? You're going to have to put effort into it. You're going to have to go through a crisis of belief. What if you're really, truly going to have to go through it? You're not going to go around it. You're not going to go over it. You're going to go through it. 
Because God, where God has you, and what we often like to say is, if I just knew what God had over there, if I just get a peek at that, I might really try to go through the wall. No, he's saying you got to go through the wall first, and you'll figure out what I got on the other side. What I hate about what God does many times is, and I was telling Josiah this the other day, is that when he comes along and you're still at 64 years old, 38 years of following after the Lord, sanctified in 1969, quote-unquote sanctified in 1969, he comes along at 64 years old and goes, you know what? That needs to leave. And I'm going to yank it out of you. Or you don't get to move forward. You're stopped. You're capped. But what I will do, I, you know, is I'm going to implant something else. I'm going to purge you of that, implant something else. And I go, that's what you used to do back when I was a new Christian. You're still doing that? That's so awesome. But it's painful now. It wasn't painful then. I was excited then. I've been doing this too long. It's painful. It's painful. So put put 2 Timothy back up there real quick. Because some of the greatest efforts in your life, it's going to take an unbelievable amount of effort. Hey, amen, moms? And there may not be a lot of want-tos in it. But there are a lot of have-tos and a lot of get-tos. I'm honored that you've called me and you believe me. I said it's uncommon today. You, that God has seized enough trust in me that he's given me this. He trusts me. And I'm honored. But I don't really want to do it, but I get to do it. But it goes on to say in, in that verse, it says, be diligent. Again, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that... Everyone may see your progress. What I love about that passage of Scripture, oh, yeah, I got props today, you bet you. Literally what that means, the word procope, procope, literally means advancing against obstacles. Just not your progress, oh, nice progress, a progress report. No, no, this is literally, it literally, the visual is you're going as a marching army, going through jungles or wherever, and you're chopping out the things. Hope that's on there, good. I better hold on there. You're clearing the way for those who will follow you. That's what I'm talking about, progress. Oh, you're, getting, you're a little bit further along. No! It's literally effort and progress that we are advancing. A walk-in-front leader, we talk about an uncommon. It's not for what the hate in front of you, but it's for the love of those behind you that you do this. But progress you live a life so that, so that, so that. I know it's trying to drive you crazy, but when you read that passage of Scripture, all that he says up to that point is so that. They will see your progress. And it's never done. Do you see Jesus face to face? Some of the greatest opportunities you'll ever have in your life they're going to require genuine effort. And when you some days feel like you've given all you can, you're going to have to give more. That's what you're going to have to do. 
And the last one is live with the end in mind. People who I believe have great impact live with the end in mind. I'm not necessarily saying what people will say at their funeral. I don't mean it that way. Maybe. But they know they've got a window. We don't believe in reincarnation as Christians. This is our shot. I said last week, being missed when you're gone is a worthy objective. I still believe that wholeheartedly. And you have some say-so in that. You know, for me, when it's all said and done, I hope to see my impact lived out in my children and their, and their children and their children. Over the years, I've come to realize I have the opportunity to shape future generations. It's just not about me. Shocker. And I do that by simply loving Christ and trying to be obedient to what I understand him to say to me. Loving Jan, loving my kids, loving those people around me to seek and challenge people to seek God with all their lives, with all their hearts, with their souls, and all their strength. And I know this statement here won't apply to everyone in here, and I, I hope you'll forgive me otherwise, but this is my hope. And my grandkids call me G-Pop. But I want the generations after me to be smelling the fumes of their great, great, great G-Pop who lived his life to the full. As someone once said, our children and grandchildren are messengers we send to a time that we will not see. I'm planning on sending messengers forward. And if heaven is what I think it is, I'll get the reports. But if I don't get them until the all, everything's and everything's done, fine. I'll be in the stands cheering them on. In Hebrews 12, 1. Right? I hope I'm in that great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, surrounded, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness. Let us throw off everything that hinders and, and run and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And what we're trying to do at Uncommon is help you figure out the race that's marked out for you. Not your friend, not you. You. Psalm 71, 17, 18 says, Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Here's the awesome thing today. There's great hope for all of us. I can't even, I would never preach a message like this with the passion I preach it if I didn't believe wholeheartedly, one, in it, secondly, that it's for all of us at whatever stage. And you've seen this quote many times if you've been at Renovation, but it's one of my favorite quotes of all time is Maria Robinson. Nobody can go back and start a new beginning, but anyone can start today and make a new ending. I know you may be shocked, friend. 
God is doing something in history, and he needs you involved in it to your fullest potential. Amen? Stop running. Stop running the wrong direction. Start running in pursuit of righteousness. Well, today there's some folks going to come, and uh, we get to celebrate with them. And I'm going to ask Pastor Dane if she could come up and help us as we uh, move into a time of community, honestly. I'll move all my toys here. Dana.